0: What's up everybody, JT Sports here, back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be discussing how good will FSU football be this upcoming college football season? Will UNC football bounce back? Could Tennessee or Kentucky potentially dethrone Georgia for the SEC East? And who is Alabama's biggest threat in the SEC West this year? If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Last year, Florida State went five and seven. Now for FSU fans you're going into year three under head coach Mike Norvell. And you're probably saying, okay, Mike Norvell, you've been here for the last couple of years. We cut you some slack. We understood that this wasn't going to be an overnight rebuild. We understood that this was going to take some time. But now in 2022, we need you to show us something. We need to at least make it to a bowl game. So how good is Florida State football going to be this upcoming college football season. Now, their over-under win total right now is at six and a half wins. And I definitely think that six wins is the floor for Florida State. I think that the ceiling could be eight or nine wins depending on how much quarterback Jordan Travis develops. We already know that he is a phenomenal athlete. When he decides to tuck the football and run, he's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in america with his rushing ability alone however the knock on him has been his accuracy and how good he is as a passer now if jordan travis improves which i believe that he will i think that florida state could end up being really good and i think they could end up being a little bit better than what people are giving them credit for and the thing with jordan travis is that We already know that he is a great athlete, but he has to be able to throw the football downfield efficiently if Florida State's offense is really going to be able to get things rolling. We know that the run game is still going to be pretty productive despite the fact that they did lose Corbin to the NFL. You do have Treshawn Ward, Trey Benson, who is a transfer from the University of Oregon, And then on top of that, we know that Jordan Travis is also going to have a big impact in the rushing department as well. So the run game is still going to be really solid. However, the two biggest questions when it comes to the offensive side of the football for the Seminoles is going to be the offensive line and the wide receiver position. Now, when it comes to the offensive line, this has been a big issue for FSU ever since Jimbo Fisher first left. He left the offensive line in a very bad spot, and FSU has trying to they're trying to rebuild the offensive line ever since he left. And you're hoping that the offensive line is finally figured out. You do have a good amount of pieces there. I think judging from what the coaches have said after spring, you know, they have a couple of spots that they have idea about who's going to be starting, but they're still trying to figure out things. They're still moving guys around, trying to figure out the best lineup going into the 2022 college football season. However, If you are a Seminoles fan, you're probably saying, JT, we don't need great offensive line play this season. As a matter of fact, we're not expecting great offensive line play. You're probably just saying, just give us decent. Just give us average to maybe above average offensive line play, and that should be good enough, which I think could potentially be true, even though you do play Clemson, who has probably the best defensive line in college football so I don't think that having a average offensive line is going to be good enough to give you a chance against them however when you look at the rest of your competition I think that your offensive line should be able to hold up if it's able to at least be average now if it's above average then hallelujah praise the football gods but I think the offensive line should finally be able to come around. I think that this probably will be the best offensive line that FSU has had in the last couple of years. Look at wide receiver. The wide receiver position isn't bad. It's not great, but you do have enough pieces there who should be able to get the job done. You have Malik McClain, who is 6'4", 210 pounds. He showed some flashes of potential last season. Despite the fact that he had limited playing time, he caught 16 receptions for 190 receiving yards and two touchdowns. You have Ontario Wilson, who was the team's leading receiver last year in yards and touchdowns. He brings experience and the veteran presence to that receiver room. You have Johnny Wilson, who I'm really excited to see what he can do if he gets on the field. He is a transfer from Arizona State. This dude is massive. He's 6'7". 225 or 230, and I'm actually a little bit surprised that he hasn't been moved to tight end yet, but when you have somebody that has this size, he may not be the greatest route runner, he may not be the best when it comes to getting off the line, but you don't really need him to be, because all you really need him to do is just to run deep routes, run some flies, some post routes, and then you have Jordan Travis throw the football up in those 50-50 one-on-one matchups and let him go work. Especially in the red zone. He could end up being a very great red zone target for this FSU offense. So I'm excited to see if Johnny Wilson is able to carve out a role on the Seminoles offense this year. You also have Keyshawn Hilton, Ja'Kai Douglas. So there's some talent in the receiver room. It may not be a group that's going to blow you away, but you do have enough there that you should be able to get the job done. On the defensive side of the football, I think this is going to be where a big question is going to be at. Because you lost a good amount of pass rush production. You lost Thomas. You lost Jermaine Johnson, who got drafted late in the first round by the New York Jets. But you do have Derek McClendon. And I think that Derek McClendon could end up being one of the more breakout names in the ACC this year. Because... Remind you that he only had three and a half sacks last year. He was behind Thomas and Johnson. So imagine what he's going to do with more reps, more opportunities. I think that he could end up having a breakout year where maybe he ends up having eight, maybe nine sacks. Then your defensive line, you also do have Robert Cooper, Cooper, Fabian Lovett there. But what has me excited the most about the Seminoles defense are the linebackers because I was reading a lot of quotes from Florida state coaches and every one of them raved about the linebacker room. As a matter of fact, Judging from the optimism, this probably is the best linebacker room that Florida State has had. And sometimes you have Tatum, Bethune, who is a transfer from the University of Churchill, Florida. He's one of the better linebackers in the American Athletic Conference. You have Kaylin Deloach, DJ Lundy, Amari Gaynor there. So you have a very talented group, a group that has a lot of experience. And I think that this linebacker room is going to be really big really big in terms of how well this defense is going to play this year at cornerback you don't really know outside of a Marion cooper who also could be in for a breakout season, you don't really know who's going to emerge behind them. You don't really know who's going to be your second cornerback, who's going to be your slot. So those are still things that we have to wait and see how it plays out during fall camp. We also can't forget about safety. Jamie Robinson, one of the best safeties in the ACC. So overall, you look at FSU, and you look at their schedule, right? It's kind of hard to judge just, how many games they could win this year because there's not really a matchup that you can really look at and say oh yeah these are games that we are really confident that florida state should be able to win outside of their first game of the season and you get to play georgia tech syracuse louisiana we pretty much expect them to be able to win those games but you know we expected them to beat jacksonville state last year We know how that went. I'm not going to keep talking about it because I know you FSU fans want to get that memory out your hand, well, out your head, but I think that the LSU game is really big, and I don't think it's a program-defining game for Florida State, but I do think that this is going to be kind of one of those career-defining games for head coach Mike Norvell because think about it. LSU with Brian Kelly. I don't think that they're expecting big things right away from him. I think that they're giving him a lot of time. So if he loses that game, I don't really think that he's going to get a lot of backlash. But if Mike Norvell loses, I think that a lot of people are going to start kind of thinking about bringing out the pitchforks. You may start to hear the hot seat talk start to heat up. So if FSU can win that matchup against LSU, I think that it would give them a lot of momentum because then you go into conference play 2-0, and that game against LSU is pretty big. You get what I'm saying? Regardless of how good or bad LSU may be this season, it's still a very big game because it's really early in the season. And the win there can give you a big boost in the locker room and give you a lot of momentum moving forward. Then you have to enter conference play. And conference play is where things get kind of tricky because when you look at FSU's schedule, There's not really a game that you can say, oh, yeah, JT, like, we're definitely going to beat Louisville. We're definitely going to beat Boston College. Wake Forest, hell yeah, we're going to beat Wake Forest. Like, every single game on the schedule is kind of a toss-up in a sense. That Louisville game, you play them on the road. That could go either way. Boston College is pretty solid. That could be a coin flip. Wake Forest, we know how good they were last season. NC State, Clemson. That three-game stretch, not even that, what, that stretch after that LSU game to enter conference play is not easy at all. And then you started off on the road as well, so that's not an easy stretch, man. Boston College, Wake Forest, NC State, Clemson, that's pretty difficult. Now, you do get the luxury of playing Georgia Tech, who many people expect to be one of the worst teams in this conference. I think their over under win total was only three and a half. So, you should be able to win that game. You got to play Miami. Miami looks to be really good this year. And then you get to play Syracuse, Louisiana, and Florida to close out the year. So, for me, my expectation is seven wins. Anything less than six would surprise me because I definitely think that this roster is good enough to at least win six games. They should be able to become bowl eligible. And they potentially could end up winning eight or nine. As I mentioned earlier, it just really depends on how much Jordan Travis improves as a passer. Because I like Jordan Travis and I actually think that he's going to be in for a really big year. I might end up making a segment about him later on down the road. But for me... Seven and five is going to be my record prediction for the Florida State Seminoles this season. I think in 2023, that could be the year that the Seminoles finally return and they end up starting to really compete for the ACC. But I think for right now, seven and five is what I'm going to go with. Let me know how you guys are feeling about the Florida State Seminoles going into the 2022 college football season down in the comment section down below. Let's stay in the ACC. Let's go from Tallahassee to North Carolina, the Tar Heels. And we're not talking about basketball, folks. We're talking about football. Will North Carolina bounce back this season? Because last year, they had a lot of hype, a lot of high expectations. You had Sam Howell coming back. A lot of people had this team penciled in as their Dark Horse College football contender. And if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while you guys would know that I was one of the few people who pushed back against the North Carolina hype and I actually came out and said that they were the most overrated team in college football when I did my UNC record prediction I got a lot of hate from Tar Heel fans but you know what's funny when you're right nobody ever comes back to apologize and say you know what JT Sports you were right about my Tar Heels everybody just stays silent But if North Carolina would end up being as good as what many people expected them to be, everybody would have came back and said, oh, this ain't age well, or, oh, you were wrong. You get what I'm saying? It would have been a lot of noise. People would have been at my neck. But it's okay, North Carolina fans. You don't have to apologize. You're listening to this podcast and this segment, so that's enough for me. So, Mac Brown enters Year four with this program, and they went six and seven last year. And things were really ugly. Really ugly. I mean, Sam Howell in his last year was running for his life. I mean, he had to kind of carry the load in a sense on offense. I mean, it was just a complete mess on the defensive side of the football. It was one of the worst defenses that I've seen in a very long time from North Carolina under Mack Brown. And it's funny because the defense was supposed to be the strong point of North Carolina last season. So there are a lot of questions about North Carolina that many people have going into this season. Now, their over-under win total is at 7.5. So Vegas thinks that they're going to be able to bounce back. Who's going to end up replacing Sam Howell? Is it going to be Jacoby Criswell or Drake May? We don't really know. It's to be decided. Then who's going to emerge behind Josh Downs? Who's going to be their second wide receiver? It looks as if Antoine Green is going to end up filling that second wide receiver role. He had 31 receptions for 612 receiving yards and five touchdowns last season. Now, you do have a couple of talented guys who you received from the 2021 recruiting cycle, such as Kobe Paysour or Paysour, you do have J.J. Jones, who is Really big physical wide receiver. He's 6'2", 210 pounds. He has a powerful frame. He's really good at making contested catches. He has good body control, decent athleticism to make some things happen after the catch. Gavin Blackwell, four-star out of that same recruiting cycle. So there definitely is some good talent there that should be able to have a big impact in this passing game. I'm really excited about Gavin Blackwell. He's 5'11", 175 pounds. He isn't the biggest guy, but this... This dude has some pretty good route running technique in his game. I'm really excited about how good he is when it comes to being able to get off the line. Great separation. He has really good body control. He's really fluent with his motion, his motion when it comes to running routes. I just like everything about his game. I'm hoping that he gets some opportunities this year to show what he can do. At tight end, you're pretty set there. I definitely think that the tight end position potentially could end up being a big focal point In this offense, if the wide receiver position kind of struggles, your offensive line, you don't really know. Because this was a unit that struggled in pass protection last season. Plus, they also lost a few starters as well. So, you're bringing in a couple of transfers. You have some upperclassmen as well. But, you don't really know. So, fingers crossed, if you are a Tar Heels fan, that you get pretty good offensive line play. Running back is probably one of the positions on this team that you look at and you don't have any concerns about. They're really loaded at running back. They have three, four, five guys who are all good enough to start. So the main two guys are probably going to be British Brooks and DJ Jones. Brooks last season, 31 carries for 295 yards for touchdowns. He's going to probably end up being the lead back this year. DJ Jones is probably going to end up being behind him. And North Carolina normally runs at least two or three running backs in their rotation yearly. So we're probably going to see UNC have a pretty solid run game. And they're probably going to lean on that run game a lot, simply for the fact that you have so much unknown when it comes to how good the pass blocking is going to be from your offensive line. So look for the run game to be really vocal in this offense. And plus, on the defense side of the football, right? I mean, it was just a complete disaster. And if you're a Tar Heels fan, you're probably saying, you know, the defense can't get no worse than what it was last year. It, it was I don't even know how to describe it, man. But, I mean, one of the only bright areas that you had was that you were really good at getting pressure on the quarterback. You were in the middle of the pack in that department. But everything else, terrible. So you bring in Gene Chiswick as your defensive coordinator. And one thing that he has been emphasizing a lot over the course of this offseason has been that he wants to force more turnovers. He wants this defense to be better at giving the offense more possessions. And last year, North Carolina was 86 and takeaways per game. You look at the defensive line, they have a good amount of talent here. I mean, they got good depth as well. Look at Miles Murphy, he had four sacks. You also have a pretty good group of linebackers. Noah Taylor, who is a transfer from the University of Virginia, is going to be pairing him alongside of Cedric Gray, who probably was your only bright spot on defense last year. When it came to your front seven, so you gotta be feeling pretty good about where your front seven is at this time. It's probably something that you have the most confidence about. When you get into the secondary, that's where a lot of questions are going to lie. Tony Grimes, I definitely think that he's probably the best cornerback that they have, but who else is going to be lining up on the opposite side of him? You don't really know. Cambron Kelly led the team of interceptions last year with four. So you have two guys in your secondary who you can rely on to be dependable. But after that, you don't really know. So this is a North Carolina team that is really shaky. And I got to ask you guys, do you feel that this program kind of peaked? Did this program see their highest moment under Mac Brown the season prior to 2021? Because this is a team that, yes, they do have a good amount of talent. And they have recruited at a pretty solid level. So you're expecting everybody to come in and be able to produce. But as we already know, not everybody pans out that way. And there are a lot of question marks. You don't really have a lot of proven productivity at certain areas. So looking at their schedule, the good thing is that, your out-of-conference is pretty easy. You play Florida A&M. That's a W. You got Appalachian State on the road there, but that probably won't be a guaranteed win, but you definitely should be favorite to win that matchup. I think that Carolina should be able to win that game, even though Appalachian State is going to be pretty solid this year. I think they should be able to pull that one off. Then you play Georgia State on the road at Georgia State. So you should be able to go 3-0 before you play Notre Dame. And the good thing about your next couple of games, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, is that you play both of those two teams coming off a bye, and you play them at home. Notre Dame, you're playing them coming off that bye, and it's going to be at home. Then you play Virginia Tech. So that Virginia Tech game probably could go either way. So you could go into that game against Miami, what, maybe... 5-0, 4-1 5-0, and 4-1 at the bare minimum. So you're going to be in a pretty good spot there. Now Miami is going to be a really tough team this year. As a matter of fact, they probably could end up being the best team in the Coastal Division this year. So you play Duke. Duke is probably going to be one of, if not the worst team in the ACC this year. So that's the win. So at this point, you're only having, what, one or maybe two losses Then that's where things really start to pick up. Because then you play Pitt, coming off a fantastic season. Then you got to play Virginia, which Virginia may not be all that great. But you do play Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and NC State to close out the year. So for North Carolina, I definitely could see them winning seven games. I'm going to go with eight wins. And the reason why I say they're going to win eight games this year is because their out of the conference really saves them. They don't really have anybody who I feel should give them that much trouble outside of Appalachian State. And both Appalachian State and Georgia State are going to be pretty solid this year. But I think that North Carolina should be able to take care of them. So it's good that you go on the conference play with a good opportunity to be 3-0. And I also think that you maybe could only have maybe one loss going into that Miami game, and maybe you could beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame isn't a team that we're all to in the green about also. They also have a couple of question marks as well, with Marcus Freeman going into his first year as the head coach there. So I think that North Carolina should be able to win eight games. I think they're going to be able to bounce back. I think that Mack Brown still is one of the best coaches in this conference. Even though North Carolina suffered from a down year, I still think that this is a program that has a lot of potential. I wasn't surprised that North Carolina had the season that they had. They're not Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State where they can just lose that much talent and then simply just bounce back the next year and pick up from where they left off or if not be even better. I definitely think that this is a program that they're going to have some years that they peak. And then after that, they're going to kind of have some down years after, and then they're going to bounce back until they really start to build themselves up and keep on recruiting at a very high level. And they start to bring in top 10 recruiting classes consistently. So it was expected at least in my opinion, for UNC to have a down year. And I also think that they kind of fell into the media hype train because when you start to read so much good headlines about yourself, you know, it kind of does affect the psyche of a team. It actually is a real thing. People think that's just nonsense that people stew, but it actually is a real thing. Complacency is also something that could dethrone a lot of people's potential success in life. So for North Carolina, Mack Brown, He's looking at trying to get back to the basics. He's trying to get this program back to what they were before they had the season that they had in 2021. I don't really have any concerns about the offense. I think that they should be able to get things figured out on defense. At least from a front seven perspective, you should be pretty straight in that department. But we don't really know how good the secondary play is going to be outside of two good players. So let me know how you guys are feeling about the University of North Carolina going into the 2022 college football season down in the comment section down below. So, if you were to go up to any random SEC fan, right, and ask them, who do you think is going to end up finishing in second place behind Georgia in this division? Most likely, they're either going to say Tennessee or Kentucky. So, that leads me to my question. Could Tennessee or Kentucky potentially dethrone Georgia for the SEC East in 2022? Now, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, You get what I'm saying? Before you Georgia fans, come down in the comment section and get bent out of shape and say, Man, JT, none of these teams have a chance. The only team that's a threat to Georgia is Georgia. This is just a hypothetical question. We're just having some dialogue here. Could Tennessee or Kentucky potentially be able to pull it off? So, the first thing we have to look at is, how could it happen? What has to happen? Because... Anytime you're playing a juggernaut that is Georgia or Alabama, you got to have a list of things. And the first thing is that you got to have a little bit of luck. If you're going to be able to beat one of the best programs in college football, you're going to have to have a couple of things go your way. The second thing is that you got to have very good quarterback play. Both Tennessee and Kentucky have that. Tennessee has Hendon Hooker, who I believe is the second best quarterback in the SEC behind Bryce Young. He is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in college football going into 2022. He threw 30 touchdowns to only three interceptions last season in 2021. Now, Kentucky has Will Levis. Now, Will Levis has a very strong arm. He's a very good athlete, and he has a lot of NFL draft hype. Many people think that he could end up being a top 10 selection in next year's NFL draft. Now, Hendon Hooker doesn't have that kind of hype when it comes to the NFL draft. However, I definitely feel that he has the potential to end up rising up the draft boards if he picks up from where he left off last year. So quarterback, check. When you look at the offensive line, Kentucky's offensive line has always been pretty good over the last couple of years. And for Tennessee, I think their offensive line should definitely be pretty good as well because if you're going to have a chance at being able to pull off an upset against Georgia, you got to be able to handle your own up front. On top of that, you have to have dynamic playmakers on the offensive side of the football. And you got to also be able to push the envelope offensively. You have to be able to challenge Georgia's defense. Now, one good thing is that none of these two teams are going to end up facing the defense that Georgia put on the field in 2021. And even Georgia fans are probably going to tell you that their defense this season is not going to be as good as what it was last season because last season, Georgia had one of the best defenses that we've seen in the history of college football. So there's no way that you're going to be able to replace a historic defense with another historic defense, most likely. So when you look at Tennessee's offense, I think that Tennessee – has a little bit of a vantage offensively because you do have a good amount of talent that is returning. Meanwhile, for Kentucky, you do have Chris Rodriguez, but you did lose one of your best playmakers and Wendell Robinson to the NFL draft. You also lost another solid receiver and Josh Ali. So you're still trying to figure out, you know, what you have at the wide receiver position. Kentucky also lost their offensive coordinator who lost, who left for the NFL I think he went to the LA Rams, I believe. So they have a new offensive coordinator. They also have the new offensive line coach. But for Tennessee, you have Josh Heupel, who is pretty much the architect of that offense. And the offense really did nothing but get better. So the offensive line should be pretty good. The YRT position is going to be very good because you bring in Bro McCoy, who is a transfer from the University of USC. So, I think that offensively, Tennessee has the edge. And with the fast-paced offense that Tennessee has, it's definitely going to force Georgia to have to rotate players in and keep guys fresh. Now, for Kentucky, I think they have the edge when it comes to the defensive side of things. I think that their defense is better than Tennessee's, and for two reasons. One... They have more talent than Tennessee on the defensive side of the football. Their defensive line is going to be absolutely phenomenal this year. And if you're going to be able to have a shot at beating Georgia, you have to be able to also be able to push them around on the offensive side of the football because they always have very good offensive line play year in and year out. So your defensive line has to be able to be able to match up with them very well. And Kentucky may end up having one of the best defensive lines that they have had in recent memory. The only concerned about Kentucky really is going to be the cornerback position because you don't really have that much proven experience there at that position now for Tennessee their defense does have talent but it's not as talented as Georgia's plus with the style of offense that they play and how fast their offense is their defense is always going to be at a disadvantage because they're always going to be on the field for a lot of plays so Tennessee's defense isn't as good as Kentucky's gonna have to give that victory to Kentucky so for me I think that Tennessee has the best shot at being able to dethrone Georgia and the reason why is because I believe in Hinton Hooker the thing with Will Levis is this he kind of was highly prone to turn, turning the football over last year he had 13 interceptions look at Hinton Hooker he is smarter with the football takes better care of the football he's a better decision maker so if you're going to beat Georgia you can't have too many mistakes as a matter of fact you can't really have no mistakes at all so you got to have a quarterback who you can trust to go in there and take care of the football and I definitely think that Hendon Hooker if you had to choose between the two probably would be the quarterback that you want because not only are you going to get somebody who's going to make plays for you and keep you in the game but you're also going to have somebody who's not going to give the game away for you and another thing is this that Tennessee's offense, the way they spread you out, it definitely could cause a little bit of problems because with their offense being more spread-oriented, it spreads out the defense, and it also allows them to get the ball out a little bit faster and quicker, make quick reads. Meanwhile, Kentucky's offense is a little bit more traditional, under center, 12, 13 personnel. So then, on top of that, I also think with the fact that you have a quarterback that also is a really good dual threat when it comes to tucking the football and running he's better than Will Levis in that department even though Will Levis is not too shabby himself I think with the dynamic ability that Hendon Hooker has also when he decides to tuck the football and run is also going to play a big factor because for Tennessee your offense your offensive line is pretty good but when you're going against Georgia and they're deep the line, there's going to be a couple of times when the play breaks down, you're going to have to be able to make things happen with your legs, extend plays, give wide receivers extra time to get open, or just tuck that baby and run. So I got to go with Tennessee. I think that Tennessee probably would be my pick to have the best shot at being able to upset Georgia and potentially win that SEC East this year. I definitely feel that Kentucky is not too far away in that department, but it's just that it really is an argument that can go for either side. I'm pretty sure Kentucky fans are going to make the argument for why Kentucky could more than likely be able to be the team that could have a better shot at dethroning Georgia than Tennessee. But at the same time, it really comes down to several variables. You have to have luck. And you have to be able to take care of the football. If you're going to upset a team like Georgia, you got to be able to win the turnover battle. And that involves you not giving the ball away. And I think that Tennessee wins in that department with the fact that they have a little bit more proficient quarterback when it comes to being able to be effective without taking a lot of unnecessary risk in a sense. Will Levis is more of a gunslinger. So when you have a quarterback who kind of has that gunslinger label, he's going to take some risk. And when you're playing a team like Georgia, you have to pick and choose your spots properly because you just don't want to give a team like Georgia extra possessions. You want to take possessions away from Georgia, which is why the turnover battle is so big, which is why I got to go with Hendon Hooker in that department because not only does he give me the big plays, You get efficient quarterback play, but you also get somebody who knows how to take care of the football and knows when to take risk and when not to take them. So let me know who you guys think has the best shot at being able to dethrone Georgia for the SEC East in 2022. Do you guys think that there's another team potentially in this division that has a good shot at being able to beat georgia i don't think it's florida i think florida doesn't really have enough pieces on the defensive side of the football and on offense they're kind of lacking depth at several positions but you look at tennessee kentucky these are the two main teams that many people expect to be challenging for the second place spot in the sec east and if you're a georgia fan which team do you think has the best chance of being able to pull off the upset against you guys let me know down in the comment section down below. All right, now let's move from the SEC East to the SEC West. Who is Alabama's biggest threat in the SEC West for the 2022 college football season? Now, I am not saying that Alabama is not going to win the SEC West. I'm going repeat it one more time. I am not saying that Alabama is not going to win the West. Now, I understand a lot of you Alabama fans are going to comment underneath the video and you're going to say, man, JT, the only threat to Alabama is Alabama. What I'm asking is this. If somebody was to come up to you and give you $1,000 and they were to say, you got to use that to bet on any team to win this division other than Alabama, who would it be? Now, if you've been listening to the JT Sports Podcast for over the last couple of months, you would know that I have been really high on Arkansas. And the reason for this is because, for one, you have K.J. Jefferson coming back at quarterback. K.J. Jefferson not only is one of the best quarterbacks in this conference, but he's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in college football. Other than Alabama and Mississippi State, the majority of teams in the West don't really know who their starting quarterback is going to be. And they don't really know how good of quarterback play they're going to be getting this season. And if you're going to have a chance at beating Alabama or being able to dethrone them, you got to have not only consistent quarterback play, but you have to have consistently elite quarterback play. And that's what KJ Jefferson can give you this season. Last year in 2021, a lot of people may not know this, but that was his first season starting as the full time starter for the Razorbacks. And he was really good. So imagine how good he's going to be this year going into spring, summer, and fall camp having more time to develop. Plus, he's going to be taking snaps behind one of the best offensive lines in college football. And if you're going to be able to upset Alabama, you have to be able to handle yourself up front on the line of scrimmage. It doesn't matter how good your running backs are, uh, how good of a group of wide receivers you have, if you can't block the big boys up front. Then you have a pretty good group of running backs, and Arkansas is going to be one of the best rushing football teams and college football this year with the fact that they're off the line so good you got a good stable running backs and you got to account kj jefferson's running ability and to account as well now the biggest knock on arkansas is probably going to be their defense and their wide receiver position Now, outside of Jaden Hazelwood, who is the transfer from Oklahoma, you don't have too much proven production there. You do have talent because Arkansas does have a couple of highly touted wide receivers on their roster. You just don't really know about them because they haven't really proven anything yet. So, on the defense side of things, you have Barry Oldham as your defensive coordinator. Now, Arkansas's defense definitely should improve this year you brought Drew Sanderson from the transfer portal you do you should have a pretty good secondary and let's not forget that Arkansas pushed Alabama to the wire last season they came really close to being able to upset Alabama so I think that Arkansas probably would be my pick however I do understand that there's going to be a lot of people who are probably going to say Texas A&M, simply for the fact that Texas A&M beat Alabama with Zach Calzada, and plus Alabama is the most talented team in this division, but behind them probably would be Texas A&M. Texas A&M has a really good defense, super athletic, there's going to be a lot of future NFL guys playing on this defense this season especially their defensive line their defensive line is and then their offensive line is pretty good you have a really good group of wide receivers your running back position is going to be great as well the only concern with texas and them is this we don't know how good the quarterback play is going to be now the quarterback competition is either going to come down to Haynes king or max johnson or either of those two quarterbacks good enough to beat Alabama? Because when Texas A&M pulled off that upset against Bama last year, Zach Calzada played out of his freaking mind. The dude balled out. So are you going to be able to get that kind of consistent quarterback play week in and week out? Because Jimbo Fisher doesn't really have a great track record at producing elite high-level quarterbacks. As a matter of fact, outside of Jameis Winston, who else has he had during his head coaching career who's really been a a great college quarterback? Kellen Mond, I wouldn't consider him great, but I would say that he was pretty good. You see, if you're going to have a chance at winning this division, you got to be able to have legitimate quarterback play that is high level on a consistent basis. You can't have inconsistent quarterback play. You gotta have elite quarterback play every week. Then you have LSU. I think LSU is the ultimate wild card because with this team, you don't really know what to expect. Now, a lot of people have said this about LSU. You have Brian Kelly who comes in from Notre Dame, one of the best coaches in college football. Now, LSU does have a lot of talent. They hit the transfer portal really hard. However, you don't know how good the off the line is going to be. LSU fans are going to say, the JT, the off the line is going to be fine. We brought in some guys from the transfer portal. The off the line also does have a couple of highly titled recruits. We're going to be fine at the offensive line. Okay, but how do you know that? You get what I'm saying you don't really have any proven production there and even Brian Kelly even said after the spring they're still trying to figure things out the off the line they're still moving guys around so even he doesn't really know how good the off the line is going to be this season however you do have Keyshawn Boutte who probably is the second best wide receiver in college football or the third best depending on who you ask Then you also have a lot of good players behind him. You have a pretty good stable of running backs. The defense does have a lot of talent as well. So if LSU ends up hitting the gates running and they end up being what Michigan State was in 2021, they definitely most likely will be in this conversation. Mississippi State. Mississippi State is really interesting. Because I also think they're probably on the lower end, but they do have a good amount of returning starters. Their defense is also going to be really good. We talk about how good Texas A&M's defensive line is going to be, how good the defensive line of Clemson is going to be. But Mississippi State's defensive line, I definitely think deserves to be in that conversation because they have some dudes on that defensive line. And they have some guys who are probably going to be some high first-round draft picks come the near future so their defensive line is also amongst the best in college football it may not be top five but it definitely is top 10 so their defensive line is going to be really good their defense definitely should take a step up in improvement and you have will rogers coming back this season at quarterback and he probably is one of the better quarterbacks in this division as well so the thing about mississippi state is this the reason why i won't include them is because I think that Mike Leach's offense has kind of gotten a little bit too predictable. All you got to do is drop eight, and that's pretty much the recipe. So unless Mike Leach can kind of switch things up on offense, which I doubt, you think he would, you get what I'm saying? You think he would try to add some extra wrinkles there, but... I don't know. He's kind of stubborn. I love Mike Leach. I think Mississippi State is going to be a good team, but I don't really think they have a legitimate shot of being able to push Alabama unless they can prove that they're capable of being able to switch things around on the offense, kind of be a little bit more predictable. And they don't really need to change things up schematically. Or they don't really need to change the the kind of plays they call really all they just need to do is just run the football more be a little bit more balanced because then if you can be a little bit more balanced it brings a different element of unpredictability to your offense it will really help you out so i really think that the two teams that could compete and potentially win this division could be arkansas or texas and now old miss I think they're going to have a little bit of a down season. They lost a lot of talent. You look at Auburn. I think that Auburn could be better than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. They could potentially be the biggest sleeper team in the whole entire SEC. Because Auburn always plays the best when it seems as if everybody thinks they're not going to be good. But I don't really think they're going to be able to challenge for this division. So, My two picks are Arkansas, Texas A&M, and LSU probably is the ultimate wild card. We don't really know what to expect. But Alabama is most likely going to win this division. They are the most talented team in college football. It's either them or Ohio State. And for a team to be able to beat Alabama, it's going to take luck, great quarterback play, good offensive line play, and good play on the defensive line as well. And you're also going to have to make sure that you're able to minimize turnovers. You're going to have to play mistake, mistake-free football, and you're also going to have to be able to cause some turnovers as well. So let me know who you guys think could potentially challenge Alabama in the SEC West, who you guys think is Alabama's biggest threat in the SEC West for this season. Thank you for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that every video that's uploaded on the channel is available in the audio format on every single podcasting platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. And I will see you guys with another episode shortly.